Benjamin Thomas Taylor is an artist known for his bright pop art inspired paintings. Mixing a love of colour with an obsession with diagrams and perspective, his work is meant to transport, to move from reality into another world of possibility. First appearing in season one of the podcast, Ben explains how his work has evolved since then and how his practice has shifted to allow for more creativity and ideas to emerge in his artwork. This is Art Related Noise. I started experimenting with painting. There's so many avenues of art. We're surrounded by images. Just being lost in this sea of possibility. Announcing that I was going to be an artist. It brings the work I do alive even more. They could be part of this work as well. Everyone's got their own personal connection to something. Hello and welcome to Art Related Noise, the podcast from the Enter Gallery in Brighton. Uh, my name's Stuart from Inspiring City and today I'm going to welcome back Benjamin Thomas Taylor. Hi Ben. Hi, how are you Stuart? You alright? Yeah, it's not bad mate actually. It was about, I, think, I think it was four years yes. since we last spoke to you. It was, you know? yeah, it was four years ago. Yeah, which is crazy because I think four years before that was when I first sold, when I sold my first print. I was, I was looking at it the other day, so it was four years and then the podcast with you. Now it's four years later, so that's kind of like the midpoint of my career. So I think, I think your, your career is now going to be defined by conversations with art-related Yes, noise. definitely. Sure, you are pivots in my career. I, re- I, I do remember that, actually, because you're right. Because I think when we spoke last time, it was in and you know, it's in season one. We're in season four of the, oh, the podcast now with Enter yeah, Gallery, but this yeah. is season one. And um, you were telling me that you'd only just started with Enter, but I couldn't believe, considering the you know, the work that you were putting out there, because it's a lot of print-based work with yeah. text on, that you'd only really started in earnest just so, you know, 2015, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I start, Yeah, I started in earnest. Then. I mean, I've been making artwork all my life because before that it was make, it was making stuff in warehouses and running galleries from my bedroom and uh, lots of exciting things like that. Um, but yeah, just actually kind of uh, selling stuff and making prints and selling prints and things. I think I sold my first one in... I think it was 2014. Yeah, so that was 2014. And then Enter Gallery came along in, if I'm right, it started late 2017. So it wouldn't have even been, it would literally have been about nine months later. Yeah, you, you were a newbie at the time. Definitely. A newbie. Now old. <laughs> now look at that, you're the old oh, guard. Oh, yes. Full of arthritis. <laughs> I'm just going to cry all the time. <laughs> so I suppose in terms of the career, I suppose that's a lot of development that you could have done over from 2018 when we when we last met each other to now. So so what's that journey been like for you in terms of your, of your art? How might we picture that that development in terms of your artwork? Oh, I think if it was a picture, it'd be, a, it'd be an animated picture because it's moved quite a lot. I'm not someone who's going to uh, sit and churn out the same old stuff over and over again. God, I've tried to because for my career and my bank balance, it would probably be a hell of a good idea, to be honest with you. And I've had conversations with artists who I have massive respect for and tried to put myself in it in a box to keep doing the same thing but I just can't do it so my practice if you looked at my most recent set of paintings and my paintings then you know I love both of them but you wouldn't say they're they're probably from a different artist but that's cool that's fine (laughs) well I think that's why I think because I have noticed this I mean you are an artist that has been evolving through I mean before you even started work maybe if you go back into your your student days and yeah. your installation work, and that's what probably what you were you were more known for. And then you've you evolved through various yeah. different stages, and I just think that's really really interesting, really, because you just don't seem to 
is it a case of sitting, not sitting still, or is it a case of you haven't yet found your voice? What is it? I don't think it's conscious, really. It's just, it's just the way I am. It's just the way my, I think my brain's wired, really. It's just always new things on the horizon, new things to explore. Sitting still on one thing doesn't really make sense to me, even though I've tried to make it make sense. But from my uni work, from my degree show, it's all about doing the next thing, doing the next thing, doing the next thing. It's not just about kind of making stuff to sell it and making stuff just to get a brand. So when people know a piece of work, that's your piece of work. For me, art is about just pushing forward, pushing, pushing forward, which can rub up badly against making money and making career and selling. But at the same time, that's not a conscious decision for me. I've, I've realised it's just something that I've got to do. It's just, if, if I don't, I think I'm, I, I might, I might um, suffer, suffer mentally. <laughs> I can't get the ideas out of my head. So it's like therapy. I mean, when I first kind of broke through with prints and the paint by numbers, that was just one idea at that time that I was doing alongside another five or six ideas. It just happened that, that that's what kind of started selling first. And I, after I made the first seven, I didn't then make more. I went to do something completely different. <laughs> so. And the paint by numbers, just so we know, that's the, as we might look at it in, in the gallery, yeah. that is usually text-based. There's an image behind it. And then the text, there's a phrase or there's a, there's a word. But as you look within the detail of the word, it looks, the, the, the sort of landscape comes through, but it's, it's like somebody can colour it in. Yeah. So is that right? Yeah. So you've got... The paint by numbers landscape, the text in the middle, and then within the text, you've got the kind of diagram of the paint by numbers in the background. And I think that came about because before paint by numbers, I used to make diagrams. I used to make a lot of installations, I used to make diagrams about them. I used to make diagrams about the weather. I've got a sketchbook actually from university, which is um, I used to map the weather, map when the streetlights came on, and make graphs and stuff. And I, I really like that kind of thing. I kind of have an idea when I was at university. I saw so many people trying to make art and I was also kind of thinking, is there a kind of formula to make a perfect painting? Maybe now we'd call it an algorithm, maybe. But then, so I think it was the if the paint by numbers came about from a marrying of, of, of the diagrams and the idea that if you put paint where the numbers are, you'll make a painting. If it's perfect, I don't know. But um, And also it, they came at a time when I think my work previous had, previously had, hadn't really, especially when I was at uni, I was never really thought about colour too much. It was all a lot more conceptual. I think it was at a time when I was thinking a lot more about colour and those three things kind of merged together to make to make the Paint by Numbers artwork. I remember going to Berlin and they had a lot of art shops in Berlin and a lot of the art shops had in the windows and downstairs they had just big piles of pigment and if you've ever seen pigment, just pigment sitting there on its own, it's the most entrancing thing you could see and, and and you look at it and you just think possibility possibility and also it's just you kind of want to dive into it really I think so yeah it was those it was those things merging I think I can see that with some of your work you know now actually mm. the, the the brightness of the work the, the boldness of the colour are you thinking of that pigment at that time or are you thinking of that to recreate that work yeah I think one thing about my work I I think I know for certain that you never quite know I think my work is about giving people a sense of possibility and I think colour does that I mean I grew up in Snowdonia where there's not there is colour but it's quite dark and bleak quite a lot of the time and yeah I think colour gives people a sense of possibility colours give people 
the possibility, but also every, every person has a relationship with colour in a completely different way and they'll take them in different ways. So, yeah, I think something about that, really. So I want to just explore a little bit of your the stages of your career in a moment. But but, but before yeah. I do so, if somebody was to, to look at your work now, Benjamin Thomas Taylor in 2022, the work that you're doing, yeah. what would they see and, and what would they feel, perhaps? So... Recently, I've I've made the decision to stop doing so many prints and stop selling a lot of prints. And I really want to concentrate on paintings and making paintings and getting the ideas out quite fast. Previously, the paintings could take me from three months to six months to a year. I mean, I've spent more than a year on a painting. I've got so many ideas in my head and I really want to get them out. I've been kind of uh, experimenting a lot with uh, gouache, really lovely, beautiful gouache paint recently. That kind of um, exploration of the materials allowed me to make these paintings a lot faster, but still have that really intense colour. So now I'm, ma- I'm making a painting in a day or a couple of days, getting the idea out. And they're really playful. They contain a lot of text as well, but a lot of pattern, um, a lot of um, imagery. And they're very playful with words. So a lot of them at the moment are containing kind of these words that reference artists. So, for instance, I want to jump in David Hockney's swimming pool with you. Uh, you be Andy Warhol, I'll be Jean-Michel Basquiat, and dancing to Keith Haring's mixtapes in the 1980s New York. And I think for a long time I had I, I made these paintings that took a long time. I, I kind of became really obsessed. I went to a Michael Craig Martin show, uh, Serpentine Gallery, and I used to use enamel to make paintings, and I just saw he used acrylic and the, and the, and the colour, the intensity of the colour and the finish of the paint was so beautiful. So I explored acrylic paint for a long time built up these layers but it would take you know months months and months and months to make one painting and then I saw a Keith Haring documentary when it when, when it came out I think it was like a year ago or two years ago it came out and he was just going around making these really instantaneous really quick artworks and yeah sometimes the finish wasn't great and things like that but the kind of creativity and the vibe was there. And I was just like, right, I need a piece of that. I need to get these ideas out quick because I'm someone with a lot of ideas. So these new paintings, loads of energy, getting the ideas out of my head really quickly. And I've got, I must have about another two, 300 paintings in my head at the moment. And if I can get them out in a day and not six months, I'm going to be a lot happier person. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you've said that a couple of times, like this, this, these, these ideas seem to be just floating around in your, in your brain and yeah. without just being able to... It seems like the whole six-month, three-month three type stuff is not allowing you to get those out. No, they're not. I want to go back. I do want to go back to that because I've got loads of paintings that I want to complete. But, yeah, I, I think so, sometimes my head's like a, like a bowl of spaghetti or like a, and with some fireworks in it. And there's just all the time. So to be able... If you're stuck on a painting for three months, you've just... You've got to be really disciplined and you've got to kind of close off your kind of creativeness in a way you've got to not be open to stuff but actually making a painting every day or every couple of days you're so much more engaged you're you're letting the ideas come in you're letting them go again you're making decisions and questioning things about color relationships materials imagery you're making stuff which feels really daring and that's exciting you know you're only you're only on the planet for 80 odd years or something you know to just sit there and make paintings over and over again that take three or four months and you are denying yourself something that is kind of intrinsically you it's a bit of a waste I think and so we're going on a journey (laughs) and we're going to have a good time you know 
Well, let's let's go back a few years then, because actually, I mean, you, you're known as a painter, but actually, the first area that you really started to explore was installation art, and this is you getting down and dirty, building stuff, yeah, um, big yeah. stuff often. So, what got you into installation art? And just tell me a bit about this. I think it's the kind of whole exploration thing, the, the whole thing of not not just sitting still. I remember the first piece of work I made when I was in school and. I felt like a painter. I was from Stoke from Wales. I was surrounded by painters. My teachers were painters. I'll be a painter and paint the landscape, you know, like that, you know, with a Welsh accent. Because this is a Welsh school. <laughs> I love that. That's great, isn't it? When I went to foundation, I actually started to make installations. I was making paintings, great paintings, but I was making installations as well. Started making installations. They were, installations were a little bit like, they, they were paintings, but they were 3D paintings, I think trying to create I think I was trying to create something that couldn't really exist on a 2D space so they're all they were all about they're all manipulations of space like a painting is a manipulation of space isn't it As an artist's job in many ways is an illusionist you're, you're you're putting something down on a two-dimensional surface that might appear three-dimensional it might appear to have movement but it doesn't all these installations were almost about breaking down that that surface and, and really playing with space and disorientating the viewer. So for my degree show, I, I did, um, I raised, I made a secret raised floor in a room up by what, six inches. So people didn't know they were raised up. And then similar to Richard Wilson with his oil installation at the Saatchi Gallery, I put some black liquid at the bottom, at the, the back of the room, really quite big, like two meters by three meters, a light box over the top with loads of architectural model trees so they hung over the top so when people went into the exhibition they were like you put a forest in the fashion studio downstairs but no it was it was it was a forest in in there and then i when when i when i moved to london i'd run run a gallery from my bedroom in my art studio i had a live workspace and used to make the installations in there as well in a similar way i used to do i did one once where i spilt i spilt some shaving foam on the mirror I thought, that looks like a cloud. And then I go, what if I painted the bathroom door blue? And that's going to kind of look like you're walking through some clouds. So then I made an installation with a bathroom mirror and some paint. I did a paint, not shaving foam. And then I made some kind of a bridge, the gap between kind of the installation and the kind of going back to 2D where I, where I used to cut lots of little holes in paper and then about eight sheets of paper, then put them back together. And they made almost kind of these hologram, really realistic three-dimensional figures but of course it would they weren't three-dimensional they're two-dimensional but they were they with the light through them with a two-dimensional but these this is the paper cutting they're the paper cutting ones yes. yeah, yeah 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 and their idea is that i could go back and explore really but i think i think the, the thing that i'm taking from that and how i find it interesting just to hear what you're saying is that they're they're trying to recreate the painting yeah. on 2D in a 3D space yeah. because to do that you've got to be I mean I've seen the the, the forest and the floor yeah. at work you need to be quite good at carpentry right and stuff like that you need to build stuff yeah that's the crap I love that you know you had to had to do like um, oh it's not dovetail joints these kind of special joints into the wood put them all together that relationship with materials maybe I learnt that that relationship with materials it's not just about the ideas it's the synergy between the ideas and the materials and the craft, um, which I think makes which is which is, makes an artwork work. You know, which is really important for an artist to have that grasp and that mastery of the materials and explore new materials and learn how to use them to make your ideas come across to communicate your ideas. And I think yeah, they yeah they were all yeah they were all made like that really. I think that they, yeah I think I used the same joint for that installation that 
I did we got taught in uni how to make canvases it's the same thing you use for a canvas <laughs> so yeah so you just upscaled it upscaled it yeah I remember I think the year after my friend did her degree she and she's like can you come and help me it's like yeah sure I think I ended up making a 16 fan extractor unit to extract a smoke machine smoke out of a building wired it and everything yeah, I love that kind of stuff and how do you know this was already in you or was this something you developed through doing your artwork or playing. had you playing yeah. yeah replaying just doing it yeah I didn't know how to do that before it's the funny thing with art I remember you just kind of go with the flow and you kind of explore and you just kind of make it up as you go along and learn how to do stuff it's all a big learning experience I suppose I'm impressed by that. I mean, I mean, I do that these days when I'm trying to, I don't know, fix a tap or something. I'll go onto YouTube and just learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I fixed my washing machine and my dishwasher from doing that, which probably saved me about a thousand pounds, which is good. But it's fun, isn't it? It's fun. It's good taking things apart because you now it's such a throwaway culture in life where you know you don't. Cause sometimes you don't explore those kind of things, but doing them yourself and learning how to do stuff and learning how to do every single part of your practice is really, it's really interesting. Hmm. Really interesting. It shows a dedication to the craft as well to say actually this. This is my idea. This is what I've got in my head. It's going to require me learning something other yeah. than you know. I'm going to have to learn some practical skills here. Yeah, I suppose like when you're when you're making stuff as well, you become so involved. Even if it's just a different type of paint or a different technique. So I made stuff with glitter recently, and people was like, "How do you put the glitter on?" And I'm like, "Well, actually." Oh no, you don't just put the glitter on, do you? You think about the nuances that you have on the relationship you have with putting glitter on that. So now I'm probably an expert in PVA glue. <laughs> like which ones will work with this? One's a little bit runny, one's a little bit thick. One's doesn't quite work, the other one does. And then how to put it on? Do you put it on with a paintbrush like that? Or do you kind of like layer on, drip it on really slowly? If it's too much, it won't work. If it's too little, it won't work. You'll see the glitter through. And then what varnishes do you use at the top? So yeah, now I'm an expert in PVA glue as well. It's, you know, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, this is the thing when you buy an artwork, isn't it? I suppose it's, it's often thrown away comments sometimes, but you say like artworks, you know, what you, you're buying the artwork, actually you're buying the history of an artist or the journey that the big so as soon as that they might buy a print with the, that's involving glitter and what have you that that's probably been through a lot of yeah, development right yeah definitely i suppose it's kind of like the iceberg thing isn't it you see yes. the tip of the iceberg but underneath is a whole a whole world which actually is probably more interesting than the artwork if you delve deep into it i suppose that's what a lot of the conceptual artwork is about isn't it a different you know it's about that process it's about bringing that to the fore but um so much always going on you see an artwork but actually telling the story about how certain things like the typography works came about and where they came from and things like that and you don't just see that from the artwork and you can probably write a book really on each, each artwork well it was funny you say that because the typography just sort of came off after well, you did the installation, sort of. You sort of went into the real world, I suppose, yeah. from that. And then the typography stuff started to take on a bit of a life of its own, did it? Yeah, so I did paint my number stuff. And then I did some other, this kind of realistic little drawings. And then, yeah, the typography work came about actually in maybe like 2019 or 2000 and 2018. This was post the typography work on the paint my numbers. And I remember I was, I, was, I was actually at Spike Island Studio in Bristol, which is a really good screen printing place. And I really wanted to kind of learn how to make principles from a painter. And I remember being really frustrated because I was really crap. <laughs> and I was finding it really difficult. So I was just getting ideas in my sketchbook. And I, and I was a bit frustrated with um, an artist that I knew. Uh, I really liked his work, but I just thought he was... Um, 
I thought I just thought it was kind of like masturbating his ideas too much. And he wasn't giving the audience enough. I got frustrated, so I wrote, "You are not William de Kooning. You are not fucking William de Kooning in my sketchbook." You know, I thought I didn't want to be an artist who trolled other artists. That'd be really bad. So I um, I changed it around to, "You are William de fucking Kooning," and then they started from there. Then was that the vote? You are William de fucking Kooning. That was the... you are William de fucking Kooning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of this kind of optimistic kind of message. Um, and then I did the kind of. Um, uh, you be Andy Moore, I'll be Jean-Michel Basque, then uh, David Hockney, I want to jump in David Hockney's swimming pool with you, and then meet me with Tisa's Garden, and then just recently done the Dancing Teeth Harlings and Stables in the 1990s New York one. But the topography did start, because so you had on the on the Paint by Numbers. Yeah, 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 that started, so that started, yeah, where, where did that come in? So that started kind of when the installations were, I was still doing the installations at that point, at that point... I think we're talking like 2008. I think at that point I was buying like thousands of model animals and then <laughs> getting a stunning knife and cutting them in half and putting them on paper so they looked like they were merging from the paper. The typography came in because it was that, I think it was that kind of idea of the diagrams. My obsession, because I used to make di- loads of diagrams. When, when I would make my installations, I'd make diagrams about them, but I'd also make diagrams of weather. I think we said that, haven't we? But And then I became obsessed with the kind of diagrams of the paper by number kits and I was thinking, well, I'll obsessed with colour now as well so it was kind of a way of putting the typography in there it was a way of getting both of those things in I thought it was a really nice kind of relationship between the diagram and the colour and I think like words if I go it's really funny because if I go back and look at all my old sketchbooks from university from foundation things like that there's just words everywhere. I used to do a lot of music, so I was really obsessed. I was always like thinking about lyrics, and I used to. I suppose I still do write poems. That came into my work then in the four, and then I. I with, it was funny with the paint by numbers because I had to kind of. They had to be a word. It couldn't be. Too, it couldn't be too big, otherwise you'd lose the power of the kind of relationship between the color and the diagram. So I just had to choose certain words. So those words were words that could. They they would take me on a journey. So beyond was one was one word where is beyond what is it you know it makes you question makes you kind of like with the installations the illusion of the space and maybe the word is a bit like an illusion as well it'll take you it'll drag you into the space and make you explore it as well so i mean that's really interesting way of describing that because to use a word as a portal in some way to transport somebody to to another place is yeah it's interesting and i suppose the other place that you could perhaps be transported to is the imagery that goes beyond them. Yeah, the and also because the word because the word was the diagram, that was like a portal as well. It was a bit like so having having the colour there, but having <coughs> the unfinished diagram that showed kind of behind the painting in a way. It was a way of stepping through. It was a bit like I don't know if you, you used to go to the theatre when I was really young. You used to go on a Boxing Day actually after Christmas when I was about seven, eight, nine, and we used to go and watch a theatre production. They used to have the scenery on stage, and I was always obsessed with... So they'd have, like, a street with windows and stuff. Always wanted to just go through the door and see what was behind there. Was it a real world? What was happening? So the words and the kind of, like, the space within the words, the diagram was almost a little bit like that. You're stepping into the artwork. takes you into it and around it. And are you conscious of that when you're making it then? So when you make the piece, something like that, you're actually thinking, yeah, I'm going back to those days as a child sitting in the theatre wondering what's beyond the door. No, definitely. I don't know. Maybe... I think you think about so many things when you're making the piece of artwork, going back to the kind of the kind of synergy between the materials and the craft and stuff. I don't... I, I, I can say that now, 
that I'm doing it, but I, my, it's, it's not that much of a literal process. It may, it's maybe completely unconscious, but you try and grasp onto these things to make sense of them afterwards. My artwork's definitely on kind of literal things. I do this to mean this, or sim- symbolistic, or if that's a word. I don't know. But unconscious <laughs> is an interesting word there, so there's a lot going on. And even as you're yeah, externalising it now, I can yeah. sense you're, you're thinking, oh yeah, you're making the connections immediately. Yeah, yeah but... definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's always, yeah, there's always a lot going on, and there's always, I've never really enjoyed artwork, which is, this is here to symbolise this. So we've, we've talked about the paint, so the paint by numbers, and then sort of moving into the, the typography, which of course then leads into the screen printing, which yeah. became quite well known for a uh, for a period. Well, yeah. are still quite known, yeah, known yeah, for, yeah, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, this is possibly I'm going to put it out there, but the main body of work that people will see of yours will be the big the, the screen prints that you've done a number of. Yeah, what the uh, yeah, a lot of the paint by number ones, I suppose they're the kind of thing that I'm um, well known for the most. But I'm kind of. Yeah, I've made a decision to kind of stop doing as many prints, actually. I, I want to make artworks quicker. I think, I think a lot of people find my work, and a lot of galleries still show prints that I made maybe seven, eight years ago, where I'm making different stuff now, and I kind of, I, I kind of want people to experience my work where I am now, Yeah, you know? And I want to get ideas out quicker. And still kind of selling work you made eight years ago, and I really love the work, but if I can make these paintings a bit quicker and things like that, and get all the ideas out and it's a, it'll be, it's a lot more, it seems a lot more exciting um, I'm still selling some prints kind of especially the, the kind of full screen printed or hand finished screen printed prints but when yeah when they run out I don't know if I'll make any more for a while I might come back to it but um, I just feel at the moment that I, I kind of want to kind of shake free the kind of print side of it I think almost you know because selling prints is amazing and it gives people kind of a way into your artwork but um I just I felt a little bit like I was becoming a shop, not an artist. <laughs> so I, I kind of feel I want to I kind of want to break free and I want to take risks and I want to. This stuff's exciting me at the moment, I and mean, people might think I'm absolutely bloody mad. And I'm, I'm completely bankrupt myself, Stuart. But um, well, I can know. see the energy. <laughs> I, can, I can see the energy when you're talking about it, and when you're talking about uh, <clears throat> there's there's a shift in your body language and. And in your facial expressions, when you're talking about ideas and moving forward, yeah, and I can I can sense it. We were just talking before the, the podcast about this. You know, this concept of just getting your getting it out there and doing different stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems yeah, to really give you a lot of energy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think I think um, I just wanna feel like I am taking risks. I don't want my artwork to feel like a safe place. Well, you do a lot of sketching, don't you? you do, you're always drawing. Constantly, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're definitely. doing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If I can, if instead of, instead of prints, I'll do a painting, a print size, but it'll just be one of one. And I think that's really nice. I think that's really, really nice. Instead of having 25 or 50 of one, I think just one of one, that's it. It's there, it's done. And you can move on to the next idea. Move on to the next idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If someone came along, Gary came along, like, oh, let's do a... No, really special edition of 50 or screen printed, hand printed, stuff like that. Wicked. Great. But just kind of churning out print edition after print edition, I, I, I can't really see an end point to it, really. I just, I just want to, uh, I want to break through. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. No. It's a, it's a, it's a good link. Right. I know. Really interesting stuff. I mean, just, just, just being able to talk to you about that. I mean, since yeah. you, you have been on a... You know, your artistic journey is one, if, if any, it is one of constant evolution. Yeah, I and mean, we started talking about, you know, installation art and 
learning how to do things like you know, carpentry just to build an yeah, idea yeah. to now this sort of much more freer quicker yeah. way of getting stuff out and I think yeah. that's great to hear what's next to be honest with you after that <laughs> yeah well, I've just released um, that's really nice I've released a collection of um, really small little paintings which are ripped from my sketchbook which are called paintings from the breakfast table so before I make work for the day I'll have a coffee maybe some nice toast with marmalade on it because I love that and um I'll, I'll I'll make paintings in my sketchbook, and I just thought, well, let's get these on the website. Let's make a collection of them because the re- the most recent that, that that recent collection, all hundred pounds. There, a lot of them were from when I went to some of the imagery is from when I went to Morocco, stayed in Riyadh in um, Marrakesh. It was called Hotel Capaldi. I, I did loads of collages when I was there of the floor and paintings and stuff, and just being inspired. So if I was just doing work I'd always done three months on a painting, I'd have to block that off but I want to embrace it. They've got to get out, otherwise it'd still be in there. I remember I was really listening to actually to a really good interview the other day with Mike Hambling, the um, artist, you know Mike Hambling? Mm-hmm. Class, absolutely brilliant. But she said, someone had told her, because I think she, she kind of, she made friends with the kind of old local artist when she was, where she lived and stuff, and it kind of helped her break free from her very conservative upbringing. And she said, the artist always said to me, make your art practice your best friend. So doing those paintings in Marrakesh, doing those paintings wherever I am, making a painting when I'm having my breakfast, that's art being my best friend. Painting something for three months and trying to block everything else out, it's not your best friend. Art will be my best friend forever. If you're an artist, you're a serious artist, You've got to be making artwork wherever you are, really, and whatever opportunity you have. And that makes it more interesting. So I suppose it comes back to that, really, as well. Ben, I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you for talking to Art Related Noise. Thanks, Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode of Art Related Noise, please subscribe and you'll be the first in line to hear some of our art-related interviews.